All right, good morning. How are we? Okay, so 30% of you are excited that you're here this morning. All right, the other 70. Good morning. All right, there we go. Everybody's alive and awake. If you need more caffeine, we've got it in the hallway back here. We'll just line you up. We'll get you pumped up with caffeine. It's a great morning. It's an exciting morning as we kick off a new series in the life of our church. As you know, David mentioned that we've just finished our Cultivating a Life with God series, which is centered around the fact that God must be the priority of our lives, right? He can't just be a bullet point on a sheet of paper. He's got to be the entire sheet of paper, right? So that's what we've been talking about over the last several weeks. Now, as we enter into a new series, we're, we're going to be talking a lot about a facility, okay? Not a church, a facility. We're going to be talking a whole lot about that over the next six weeks. I want you to be reminded that our priority is not a facility. Our priority is God. And if, God's our, if He's our priority, if He's the priority, He will take care of all the rest of the priorities for our church, okay? So I want you to be reminded of that and hear me say very clearly that that's what that's what we're talking about over the next several weeks. Now, we have named this initiative our all-in initiative. All in with one heart. Here's the reason why. We believe that God's given us a big, bold, awesome vision for our future. But hear me very clearly, because it won't really matter what I say after this if you don't get this. This, this vision, so big, so great... It's going to take every single one of us. That's the reason why it's all in. It can't be all in for some. It's got to be all in for all, right? It's going to take every last one of us to get excited for God to move in our hearts, move in our minds so that we catch the vision and that our actions follow through on the vision that we believe that God has given to us. Now, I believe that this vision is gonna help grow our faith over the next six weeks. This is gonna be a big initiative to help grow our faith. It's gonna grow your faith. You're gonna have to trust the Lord. If we're gonna do this, you're gonna have to trust. We can't look back, you're gonna have to trust, right? It's gonna strengthen our unity, which is really important. And you know that from me because over the, my first year as the pastor at First Baptist Belt, we didn't talk about this at all. The reason why, our unity is more important than a building, right? This is going to help strengthen our unity. It's going to build on the foundation that we've already laid. Uh, but then also, too, this vision is going to help extend a reach into the community. And just so you know, we are a church who longs to see this community reach for the gospel, people's lives transformed from our backyard to the ends of the earth. That's what we're about. That's what we're going to continue to be about. Now, for some of you in the room, you would know this. Others of you may not know this. This church just celebrated 170 years of history. Man, how, how cool is that? I was at a pastor's retreat last week, and one of the guys was, you know, talking about the history of their church, and he said, oh, yeah, you know, we've been, we've been, we've been meeting for 150 years, and I thought, this is my chance to one-up him, <laughs> Right? Right? I said, oh, that's cute. You know, we're 170 years old. How great is that, y'all, that we have, we've been here ministering in this community to the ends of the earth for 170 years. Now, in 1853, y'all, 1853, it's a long time. 
So 170 years if you want to know. 170 years, 1853, a group of people got together on the banks of Nolan Creek and, and they began praying and seeking the Lord for how can we reach a community with the gospel, right? Little did they know that 170 years later, we'd be sitting in a room right now wearing these shirts, talking about the next 170 years of our future. Y'all, that is powerful. What a legacy that they have left us. Now we have the responsibility to carry that legacy on into the future. And guess what? There's nobody coming, but coming after us to do it. Like we were created for this moment and this moment was created for us, for me and you, to carry that torch, right? So we're gonna step into that and we're gonna move forward and I'm so excited to get to do that. Now, over the last 170 years, God's been so faithful to provide for the vision that, that we've had um, and he's gonna continue to do that as we, again, step into it. It requires us to step into a vision. A vision is not a vision until we step into it and make it a reality, okay? I don't wanna leave a vision out here as this cool idea. As a church, we gotta come together, we've gotta get around it, and we gotta move forward. Now, again, over this rich history, many of you in this room um, have, have been a part of a lot of great things in this church, uh, maybe your kiddos were, came to know Jesus here. How cool is that? Uh, maybe they were baptized here. Maybe you came to faith here and your kiddos were baptized here and this has been your church, the family, your family church. Maybe you're like David and Janet and this is, you've been here since you were four. How, how awesome is that? Um, many of you have a beautiful history here and, and you know what? Some of your spiritually defining moments happen here in this, maybe even in this spirit, or in this building, in this facility. And so here's what I want us to do is we pivot and start thinking about a new facility. I don't want to diminish those because those are meaningful. They were life altering for you. And that is really, really sweet. What I want us to do is I want to build on that foundation. Okay. So when we start thinking about the future and we're thinking about the new things that we believe God's calling us to, we're not going to diminish any of our rich history. As a matter of fact, we are going to stand upon the foundation of the history that God has given to us. So while many of you have had spiritually defining moments in this facility, or maybe in the facility right here, or gosh, maybe even some of you in the one that burned down uh, several years ago, you've had those moments. Again, don't want to diminish those, but I do want to bring some things to your attention, right? This current facility, while it is great and beautiful, creates a ton of obstacles for ministry. As a matter of fact, to keep this thing running is a whopping 2,300 bucks a day. Yes, not a month, a day. That's how much it costs for us to keep lights and AC on in this building. That's our utilities, right? That's, that's wild. You know, there's several other things. We've got $5 million worth of deferred maintenance that we have been kind of pushing off because man, we, quite frankly, we would have to do a, we'd have to do an initiative just to pay for those things, $5 million. AC unit needs to be replaced. We have somebody here every day, literally every day, fixing our AC so that you guys can enjoy AC on a Sunday morning. Because I know you might be fine right now while it's nice and cool outside, but this, this bad boy would be vacant about two months ago if we didn't have that can I get an amen? Amen. amen. All right, all God's people said amen. So there, there's a lot of things. But you know what? Here's even some more important things. You're going to know this because if you drive down Main Street, you probably have anger management uh, that you learn in traffic. Um, we've got a ton of growth 
heading here, don't we? You know, I would imagine our population's gonna triple in the next several, several years. We've gotta be ready for that growth. Currently, we're not ready for that growth. Our facility can't handle the growth that we have. On top of that, did you know if you exit off of 6th, or off of 35, you come down 6th Avenue? What do you think about? What are you met with? You're met with a beautiful church building. It's a beautiful building, but it's a fortress. It's a bunch of bricks. And there's no front door and there's no front porch to say, hey, we're glad you're here. Welcome home. And you know what we've, really what we're known for in this church is a community church. And yet, we're asking the community to come around to the back door. To think about that. Can you imagine if you invited somebody over to your house that maybe you met at work or at the ball field and you wanted to get to know them and you invited them to your house, but, but you, you said, hey, you know what, why don't you just come around the back? Like, how inviting is that? How welcoming is that? Well, it's not very inviting or welcoming at all. Well, the same thing with the church, right? The church is an extension of God's family, and this is our home. We need a front door that says, hey, we're glad you're home. By the way, we're a front porch kind of people, aren't we? David mentioned it well. We're a church who loves people. We love people well. If you sit in any of our membership classes, you would know that very quickly, that the reason why people come and join our church it's primarily because of the people who sit in these pews. They love people. We love people. That's who we are. And we want our facility to resemble who we are as a people. Isn't that great? A couple of other things. Right now, our, our children's ministry, as great as it is, and we have amazing volunteers who serve in our children's area, and they're incredible folks who I love dearly, and we wouldn't want to do it without them. But they've got a lot of obstacles ahead of them, right? If, if a family, young family comes and visits our church, they have to walk through an unsecured location, drop off their kiddos to people that they've never met, and then somehow, someway, find their way back in here. And then when they get out of here, then they got to find their way back to figure out where their kiddos are. And we got kiddos over here. We got kiddos over there. We got kiddos back here, back there. We got kiddos everywhere, which is great. But it's an unsecured location for our kids. And in our day and time, we can't be satisfied with that, can we? We've got we've to be a church facility that fosters the kind of care that we provide to our families. If we're going to reach young families and we need to, they're the future, then guess what? We've got to make some changes. From some of our senior adults, we're a multi-generational family, so we're not just talking about young folks, we're also talking about our senior adults. We've got amazing folks, amazing folks who have been here for a long, long time, and I'm so grateful for them because, again, they're the, they're the pillars of our church. And many of them can't make it all the way in here on a Sunday morning because, number one, we have so many people, which is great. But number two, the parking lot is so far for them to get in here is, is quite frankly, it's dangerous for many of them. And so what they end up doing is they just go to their Sunday school class and they spend their time in their Sunday school class and then turn around and leave. But they never get the blessing of being in here with this amazing group of folks. Can you imagine if you couldn't do that? That'd be tough. My soul would hurt if I couldn't be with y'all every week. And yet, that's the reality. For one of our, our students, uh, any student who has disabilities right now cannot get up into our youth room. Right? We've got one student who's in fifth grade right now. She's a, a beautiful, amazing young girl in our church. We love their family. And she can't make it to youth. Next year, she's going to be in youth. But because we have no way to get her up there... She can't go with her fellow peers. Listen, I'm just giving you all the reasons 
why I believe that God is calling us to do something big and something different. And I think, I think you would agree with me that now's the opportunity, now's the time. I believe that over the last five years, God has provided us with a great opportunity. And get this, this is really cool. Remember what I told you in 1853, a group of folks gathered together on Nolan Creek. Something really beautiful about this. I think God's now calling us back to Nolan Creek. Isn't that sweet? Right where our location is on MLK and uh, 121, we are going to have a church facility that is going to look out over Nolan Creek in our community to remind us that we are a community church, that that was, the, that was the vision that we began with. These are the people that God has called us to reach sitting on the banks of Nolan Creek. How cool is that? Pretty awesome. So, now here's, here's what we're gonna do, right? This is introducing that all-in initiative to get us to that point, okay? Now, in order to do this, we're gonna take a one-fund approach. This is a paradigm shift of how we have historically gone about receiving offering and how we've gone about funding new facilities. This is a one fund approach, okay? Here's what a one fund is. Over the next two years, the next two years, we're gonna ask all of you to, to, when you consider your giving, your offering, to write one check to one fund, okay? It's gonna be one fund. Now here's the beautiful part of that. If you're one who gives to designated giving, all of our designated giving is gonna come underneath the budget so that we ensure that not only are you funding those designated offerings, but the church at large is funding those designated offerings. How great is that? We can ensure greater effectiveness and efficiency as we fund those things because it's gonna come underneath the budget. It's one fund, so you write one check. That's how that's gonna work, okay? Now, in this one fund, there are two, two buckets. Not 12, two buckets. Okay, two buckets. The first bucket is what we believe to be our, our heartbeat of the church, okay? That's our ministry plan. Ministry plan, it's the general budget, right? This is our total giving that it costs for us to continue to operate this facility, to care for our staff, and to reach our community to the ends of the earth, okay? This, this, this is what it's costing us to grow up disciples, to reach people, to... Um, help you in Sunday school be transformed into the image of Christ, all of those things. And that's gonna cost us $8 million over the next two years. By the way, that's what we currently give, right? Our annual budget of total giving is about $4 million. So if you multiply that by two, it's $8 million over the next two years that we need you to continue to give. You gotta continue to give to that $8 million, okay? That's, that's one bucket. Now here's the second bucket. The second bucket is what we're calling the vision of our church. This is to fund the facility, okay, the facility, not the church, the facility that we believe God's calling us to build. To do this, we need to raise $15 million over the next two years. This is in addition to the $8 million of our current giving. So we've got to raise $15 million. The building that you're going to get to see here in just a second, this facility, it's gonna cost us anywhere between 20 and $24 million. 24 being the highest, 20 being the lowest. Right now, we have four million in the bank. We've got an additional million coming from Mary Harden Baylor as a part of our contract when we put a shovel in the ground. Okay, so that gets us to five. Right, we raise 15, that gets us to 20, and then we have secured enough financing to cover the rest, okay? But hear me, and this is very important. It's my dream and my prayer 
that I'm not calling a a financial institution. I believe that God's calling us to do it. I think he's calling us to do it. Then let's rock and roll. if, If any way possible, I don't want to see us take out debt. I want to see us go and move and I want to see us pay for it. I want to walk in and on that first Sunday, I want to cut a ribbon in a building that we have paid for. Okay, so, so hear me on that. But I also want you to understand that if we can't, we have secured plan B, okay? Plan B. So that's where we're at, okay? It's really exciting. Now, here's what I love about the one fund approach. This is so great, okay? Is this allows us to never get project rich and budget poor, right? It means we're not taking in all this money for, for a project that we diminish our ministry plan. It means I don't have to call up missionaries and say, hey, you know, we're, we're building this building and we're not gonna be able to fund you for the next two years, I'm sorry. This plan ensures that we never have to do that. This plan ensures that we never have to stop doing what God's called us to do today for the sake of a building. Because remember, the building's not our priority. God's our priority. God's called us to reach people, not build buildings although that's a very important part of what we're doing. You you tracking with me? Right, so that allows us to keep the main thing the main thing, which is exactly what we wanna do. We wanna make disciples, we wanna train them up, we wanna send you out to be transformed by the image of Christ and to reach your friends, your coworkers, your neighbors, and we're gonna stay focused in on that, okay? So that's the one fun approach. Now, now that I've shared all that with you, here's what I want us to do. I want us to take a few minutes and I want to show you a video. It's a walkthrough of the building that we believe that God is leading us to. Now keep this in mind. This is important, okay? This is conceptual, right? This is not all of the details. Your mind's going to want to go to the details. I get it. Mine wants to go to the details too. Carpet color, all of the stuff. And we're Baptists, so we got to argue about it. So... So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to challenge you to not do that. I'm going to challenge you to watch the screen. And I want you just to, to, to let God fill, you, fill, fill your mind, fill your, fill, your, fill your heart with what this facility can offer us as we seek to continue our mission into the future. Okay? Turn your attention to the screen. Oh, gosh. There's so many things I love about this building. So many things I love about it. I mean, here's the great thing. This has... Space for us to accommodate growth, 1,300-seat sanctuary and worship center, um, plenty of room for growth, all the Sunday school space that we need. It has everything that we want and need in this current facility, but more an effective and efficient space where we can fund more to the Great Commission, more, more, more resources can go to the Great Commission. It mitigates the obstacles that we have for ministry and provides us a new sending center, a mission center for God to do great things in and through our church. Now, those are all important, but I want you to think about this. I want you to think about when you walk up to that church, just think about this, picture this. You have a front porch, right? It's a front porch where you're going to see people gathering together, fellowshipping with one another that, that without even having to say, says, hey, welcome home come join us. Come be a part of our family. How sweet is that? You walk in the front doors, you'll be able to see every aspect of ministry, all of our departments, everywhere. You will know right where to go from the moment you walk in the front entryway, right? Right when you walk in, you'll see the baptistry. By the way, that's not a swimming pool. That is a baptistry. 
right? It's not just a decorative feature, but it is a banner that when you walk into our church, you will see that these folks prioritize life change. They are serious about the gospel. They are serious about seeing people's lives transformed. And this is a declaration to say, that's what they're about. How great is that? On the sweet day where maybe you or a loved one is baptized, get this, this is so neat, y'all. They'll get to invite their family, their friends, the people that have poured into them, their Sunday school class can all gather around them so that when they go under the water and they come up out of the water, the first people that they see are the people who've been pouring and praying for them and praying them to Jesus. At the same time, the doors will be open, and thanks to technology, we will be able to pipe it into the worship center, and we'll all get to celebrate together, and it'll be fantastic. It'll be wonderful. You walk in those front doors, you can go straight to your left, our education space. We've got plenty of education space for us to continue doing Sunday school as the way we've been doing it, which is great. We've got a large worship center that you can see filled with people just like you. As a matter of fact, it will be you. (laughs) And you know what? A lot of new folks. A lot of new faces that Lord willing will come to know Jesus, will connect with him, grow with him, serve with him, and multiply with him, right? You'll walk out of the worship center. You'll have this huge, huge gathering space that won't be like our tiny little gathering space out here where you get lost and you get ran over by people, uh, right? So if you go out these doors and you were to stand right here in the middle of the foyer, right out, outside those doors, and you were to look down to our children's wing, there's a glass wing or glass doors down there. That's how, that's the length of the gathering space that we'll have. The width is three times the size of that, plus it has no ceiling um, that, that makes it feel smaller. So it's going to feel big, and it's a great place for us to fellowship, to grow, and have great ministry activities together. By the way, the, probably my, the heartbeat of this building, just so you know, everywhere you go in this building, you are forced into relationship with people. Remember, the church is not about a building. It's about people. You are the church. You are the people, right? And that's the beautiful part of, of a facility that creates avenues where you have to rub shoulders with people who, who maybe look like you, who don't look like you. Maybe people who do look like you, who are older, who are younger, and a multi-generational, multi-generational group of folks who are rubbing shoulders with one another, growing together. Man, how awesome is that? Not only that, we've got a gym. Did you know that right now our number one outreach tool is pickleball? Yeah, we've had more people join the church because of pickleball than anything else. <laughs> who would have known? Yeah, it's pretty fun. It's great. But we've got a gym for that. We've got a gym for our students and young adults to play and invite their friends. And how sweet is that, right? It also is a cafetorium. So if we ever need to have a, another gathering, whether it's a conference or anything, we'd have that space that, you know, is, offers a smaller, more intimate space for that. And it's not 1,300 seat worship center. There's so many things I could go on and on and on. I could talk about the cafe and the opportunity that we have to to spend time and fellowship with one another. I could talk about the gathering space throughout the week and how that's going to be a great tool for our college students. College students, can I get an amen? It's going to be great. It's going to be a cool place for y'all to come and study, connect, right, with one another throughout the week. We've got some cool conference spaces next to our, uh, uh, to the staff wing. It's going to be super cool too for them. Um, but we'll have some conference spaces that if you're a business owner or if you're in business and you need a place to, to, to work, you're more than welcome to use that space. Invite your coworkers. Be a great way to expose them to what God's doing in our church, right? 
on the outside, this is going to be really sweet. On the outside, we've got yard games. Uh, we're going to have a disc golf course for all my disc golf people. Um, that's going to be neat. We're going to have tons of things park for our kids, our, uh, our, our moms who stay home with their kids. It'd be a great space for them to come up during the week and spend time fellowshipping with one another, which by the way, we have that group right now. But how cool is it to bring them here and let them invite their friends to our church and again, expose them to what God's doing here. So really just a lot of really cool things that this space affords us that we can't do here. And I'm really excited as God continues to move us in that direction. Now, here's a timeline for you because this is important for you to know. On Sunday night, October 29th at 5 p.m. in this room, we are gonna have a worship and prayer night. Worship and prayer night. That's gonna be, we're not gonna have any commitments that night. It's just you and I coming and filling this room and I want everybody here. That's an expectation, right? That's not a, it's not, not, I'm not asking you, I'm telling you. I want you here because all we're gonna do is we're gonna fill this room with worship and prayer. We're gonna sing and we're gonna pray and we're gonna ask God to do big things. We're gonna ask him along with Paul in Ephesians chapter three, verses 14 through 16, where he says, to the one who can do far more than we can ever dream or think. So what we're gonna do. That night, that's going to be what we're going to do. We're going to pray and ask the Lord to do some great things, okay? Then on November 12th, mark your calendar for this. That is going to be Commitment Sunday. That will be the Sunday where we put in our yes. We all lay down our yes and say, we're all in, and here's what we believe that the Lord is calling us to do financially towards this vision, Okay, so that's November 12th. It's going to be a beautiful morning as we all come down front and we lay down our cards, right? You have one of those in your book. I want you to begin praying and thinking about that now. And we've got several weeks to prepare our hearts for that. But then also you've got that cool journal. I want you to bring that journal every week that you come, to, come on Sunday morning. We're going to use that throughout this series as a way to supplement our growth and asking the Lord to do good things, great things in and through us, okay? So keep that with you. Then on December 3rd, December 3rd will be another important date. That is Celebration Sunday. That's where I will declare to you where we are in terms of commitments. This is how much we have had committed to this vision. Okay, so that'll be a great day as well. Now, with all that being said, let's open the word. Joshua chapter 5. Joshua 5, if you've got a Bible, get there. Get there while I'm talking. As you're getting there, I want you to hear me when I say this. Our primary goal is not a number. It's a percentage. It's a percentage. The reason why we called this all in is because I am calling all of us to be all in, which means we need a hundred percent participation from our kiddos all the way to our senior adults we're going to have some really cool things for our kids to be engaged in this, for our youth to be engaged in this. We want everybody, everybody to be all in. It's 100% participation. That's our goal, right? That's our goal. Because if we get that, God will take care of the number, okay? Now, as God's people, we've got a proven track record of being excited about something. We have a proven track record about being excited about an idea but not willing to sacrifice to make it happen. 
As a people, we can get very excited about a really great thing, but then not get really excited about what it takes to get there. Give you an example. In the book of Joshua, Moses just, has just died. Joshua's taken over the leadership of Israel. He's taken on the, the baton, and he's running the next leg of the race, and it's going to be Joshua who takes the people of Israel into the land to God's very promise. Moses had led the people out of slavery in Egypt and into the wilderness to experience God in a fresh new way, right, to experience his direction, to experience his guidance, to experience that relationship that he has with his chosen people. And now they stand on the banks of the Jordan River, looking over this vast body of water at the very promise of God, the promised land. For the first time of 40 years of wandering in the desert, here they are on the banks of that river, and it's right there. It's like you could reach out and touch it. You can hear the people's voices on the other side of the river talking, saying, oh my gosh, they're coming. God's people are here. They're right there. And so Joshua leads his people across the Jordan River, and they enter into the land, the promised land. A generation of people have dreamed for this day, and here they are. They're standing on the other side of the river, and Joshua leads the people to build this huge altar so that they could worship the Lord and celebrate his faithfulness to them. And then Joshua declares that it's time for them to circumcise the men. Now keep in mind, circumcision was a sign that declared to them, it was a reminder that you were my people. You're going into a foreign land, but you're mine. You're set apart. You're different. And yet at the same time, it was a reminder to the rest of the world that they are different, that this is my people. You were set apart. And that leads us to an interesting passage here in chapter 5, beginning in verse 4. This is what the text says. Joshua's going to answer the question why he proclaimed, declared a, a, a time of circumcision. Here's why. Verse 4. It says, and this is the reason why Joshua circumcised them. All of the males of the people who came out of Egypt, all of the men of war, had died in the wilderness on the way after they had come out of Egypt. Here's the reason why, again. Verse 5. Though all the people who had come out had been circumcised, yet all of the people who were born on the way in the wilderness after they had come out of Egypt had not been circumcised. For the people of Israel walked for 40 years in the wilderness until all of the nation, the men of war who had come out of Egypt, perished. Note this. Because they did not obey the voice of the Lord. The Lord swore to them that he would not let them see the land that the Lord had sworn to their fathers to give to us a land flowing with milk and honey. So for 40 years of wandering in the desert, the Lord was allowing an entire generation of people die before they went into the land. An entire generation of people to die before they could actually experience God's very promise to them. They love the idea of going into the promised land and enjoying all of God's benefits, but they were unwilling to sacrifice and to surrender their lives in order to see it become a reality. 
They were unwilling to submit to the direction of the Lord to get there, and so an entire generation of people missed out. Their children, however, who submitted to the Lord's direction, walked into the promised land that their, the generation before them should have experienced. Here's the point. There's a difference between liking an idea and surrendering to it and being willing to sacrifice good things for a greater kingdom thing. There's a difference between seeing a really cool video, which by the way, our team did a great job putting that video together. There's a different thing between looking at these really cool banners and t-shirts and getting all the hype. It's a very different thing than getting excited about all of that, but then us as a church being unwilling to sacrifice important and valuable things in order to see a greater kingdom thing happen in our community. There's a difference. There's a difference. There's a difference between an exciting thing and being, man, I'm for this thing, and then expecting other people to pay for it. This morning, that is the reason why our goal is 100% participation. It's not 30% participation. It's not 40% participation or 75% participation. This is a 100% participation kind of thing because it's going to require us to be all in and move with one heart in order to get there. The 100% participation is the call. That's the goal. We believe that God is calling all of us to be all in with 100% participation. I can't say that enough, and you're going to hear that over the next six weeks, 100%, 100%, 100%. By the way, you're going to hear that for the next two years. And I will tell you, those in the room who are thinking, man, somebody or someone else is going to pay for all of this. They're not. We are. We are. If we're going to see a vision become a reality, it's going to require all of us to push against that voice in my head that says somebody or someone is going to pay for this and to say, no, I am going to pay for that. Now, that doesn't mean that all of our gifts are going to be equal, but it does mean that we need to equally sacrifice for the sake of the vision, for the sake of the mission, for the sake of reaching people who don't know Jesus and seeing people transformed by the kingdom of God. We've got to be all in. Now, here's the deal. Right, for those in the room who think, oh, golly, well, somebody's going to pay for this. You know, who cares? Whatever. When we get there, here's what's going to happen. We're all going to walk in and we're going to be fired up. And you are going to walk through those doors. And sure, it's going to be cool and it's going to be great. But between you and the Lord, you're going to know. You're going to know that you weren't a part of getting there. Anybody ever cheated on a test? You'd be bold enough to... Oh, no, I'm just kidding. (laughs) Just kidding. Now, we've all been there, right? Where we have shortcutted a process. Maybe cheated on an exam and maybe we got 100. Because we were so pressured up. Oh, Lord, I got to get 100 on this test. If I don't get 100, what am I going to do? I'm going to fail. And so what do we do? We shortcut the process. And then let's say you get the 100. And on the other side of that 100, what is it? It's an empty feeling inside because you know. You know that you didn't do what it took to earn the 100. 
I would rather get an 85 and fail the class and have the satisfaction that, man, I was a part of it. I was a part of a legacy. I was a part of something special. I was a part. And I want every one of us to walk in that room I want us to open those doors and I want you to go, man, I was a part of this. For me, for my family, for all of the faces that don't know Jesus yet who are going to come and be a part of this, and for the next 170 years of people who are going to fill that space and look back on this day like I was this morning looking at a, a, a really cool, so I don't know who brought this to me, but thank you, but it was a pamphlet of a building fund project that we did several years ago, and, and I'm looking back on that going, man, Lord, thank you for those people that I'm here today, and these people are here today talking about the next one so that people in the future will look back and go, man, I'm so thankful for the vision that God gave them. And for the faithfulness and the trust that they had to cross the river, to cross the land, and to build an altar of worship and faithfulness to the Lord, I want all of us to be able to have that feeling of, man, we were a part of something special for the next 170 years as we return back to Nolan Creek to, again, accomplish the vision that God has given to us. Now, here's what I want us to do. I want you to Turn your attention to the screen for one more video that's going to kind of bring all of this together. Really excited for you to see.